This fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast, in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people, who you brought up out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them, and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out? to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land, I promise them, and it will be their inheritance forever." Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God, engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, There is the sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, it is not the sound of victory, it is the sound of defeat. It is the sound of singing that I hear. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf they had made and burned it in the fire. Then he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water and made the Israelites drink it. He said to Aaron, what did these people do to you? that you led them into such great sin. Do not be angry, my Lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold and I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. Moses saw the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control and so become a laughingstock to their enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to him. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. 
Each man strap a sword to his side. Go back and forth through the camp, from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbour. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day about 3,000 of the people died. Then Moses said, You have been set apart to the Lord today, for you were against your own sons and brothers, and he has blessed you this day. The next day, Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now, please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. The Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now go, lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sin. And the Lord struck the people with a plague because of what they did with the calf Aaron had made. Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn and no one put on any ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside of the camp. And whenever Moses went out of the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances in their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember this, that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. 
And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. The Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready in the morning and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshipped. O Lord, I have found favour in your eyes, he said. Then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. Then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you. Before all of your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Obey what I command you today. I will drive out before you the Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you are going, or they will be a snare among you. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, and cut down their Asherah poles. Do not worship any other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land, for when they prostitute themselves to their God and sacrifice to them, they will invite you and you will eat their sacrifices. And when you choose some of their daughters as wives for your sons and those daughters prostitute themselves to their gods, they will lead your sons to do the same. Do not make cast idols. Then the Lord said to Moses, write down these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Lord God, we pray this morning you would speak to our hearts and minds, uh, help us to be nourished uh, by this passage of Scripture. Uh, may it inform our thinking. May it reveal more about your purposes, your plans, and your character to us, uh, such that it then shapes the way we live 
uh, and the way we relate to you, we pray. Amen. Well, if you watch uh, any of these TV serialized dramas, you'll know that each episode starts with uh, the word previously, uh, previously on Homeland. Uh, Well, we are in, if you like, a serialized drama, the drama of the Bible, and therefore it's appropriate to start with previously, uh, previously on Overview. Uh, Let me give you a brief recap recap of what uh, the events have happened thus far. Uh, God, if you recall, is enacting his plan to reverse the curse, uh, the curse of the fall. And the plan is launched with a set of promises made to a man called Abraham. Uh, The promises are that his descendants will become a great people who will be God's special people. And this people will live in a luscious land of blessing. Uh, In effect, the promises amount to a restoration of what was lost in the Garden of Eden. Uh, God's people living in God's place under God's blessing and God's rule. Having freed the descendants of Abraham, that is Israel, from slavery in Egypt, uh, God is now taking them to the land promised, but they are not there yet. However, in the desert... God is working to advance the most precious promise of all, the promise of relationship with Him. Uh, God has brought them to Mount Sinai to meet with Him and also for Him to codify His relationship with them in a covenant. Uh, God is explaining to His people their purpose, uh, their privileges in His plan, but also their responsibilities. Uh, This is what we saw last week, Exodus 19. God says this in verse 5, Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenants, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole world is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God is saying, you will be my treasured possession. You will be a kingdom of priests you will enjoy privileged access to my presence. And yet, did you notice, uh, the realization of this purpose and this privilege hinge on a condition. God starts by saying, now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant. And of course, we saw last week that at the heart of this covenant is a statement of God's law, uh, the Ten Commandments. And the blessings of the covenant hinge on the people abiding by the terms of the covenant, God's law. We saw last week, of course, the people are in full agreement. They respond, maybe a bit too hastily, with these words. All that you have said, we will do. And so the deal is done. The covenant is signed and sealed. And this is where we ended last week. Since then... In chapters 25 to 31 of Exodus, uh, Moses has once again ascended the mountain, and on the mountain he is now receiving God's specific instructions concerning the construction of what's called the tabernacle. Uh, The tabernacle was the tent temple in which God's presence would dwell amongst his people. So this is where we rejoin uh, this unfolding biblical drama. Uh, Whilst Moses is up the mountain, uh, receiving these instructions from God, things start to get out of hand 
in the Israelites' camp below. Uh, God's law is barely given before it is broken. Uh, The dust has hardly settled from God's inscription of His law on the tablets of stone before the people fashion for themselves an idol of gold. Uh, Of course, God has specifically forbidden idols, either of other gods, or to represent Him as God. And yet, they fashion and worship a golden calf. Uh, Actually, a golden calf was a popular deity symbol in the ancient world. Uh, Up to this point, all the talk in the covenant has been about the blessings for covenant faithfulness. But now, the conversation shifts And the focus moves to the sanctions for breach of the covenant. And what we see is this. Indeed, the wages of sin is death. Chapter 32, verse 9. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses singular, into a great nation. Uh, God indicates that he will fulfill his promises to Abraham, but through Moses. Uh, Like after the flood, God is indicating that he will be starting over again. And yet, what happens? Uh, Moses intercedes for the people. He pleads for God to relent. And he appeals on the basis of uh, God's relationship with his people, God's reputation in the world, and God's faithfulness to His promises. Look again at chapter 32, verse 11. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, It was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. So Moses intercedes for the people, and as a result, uh, disaster is averted. Uh, God agrees that He will not completely destroy the people. On arrival back in the camp, uh, Moses pulverizes the stone tablets into small pieces. Uh, It's his not-so-subtle way of saying, the covenant is over. Their violation of the terms is so serious that it warrants actually the deal being off. But sparing the people's total destruction is not the same as forgiving their sin. And hence the next day, Moses again intercedes for the people, although with limited success, 32 verse uh, 33 onwards. The Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now go, lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sin. And the Lord struck the people with a plague 
because of what they did with the calf Aaron had made. So the journey to the promised land is back on. But those who have sinned will still be punished. And it's only then that the further implications of their sin start to become apparent. Uh, Like a marriage relationship, the Mosaic Covenant had offered the prospect of an intimate relationship with God. But Israel's unfaithfulness now puts that intimate relationship in peril. Uh, Ironically, the golden calf incident happened whilst God was giving instructions to Moses concerning the tabernacle. Uh, The tabernacle was to have been the tent temple in which God would have dwelt amongst His people. You see, the tabernacle was integral to God's promise to have this special relationship with His people. His glory and His presence would be in their midst, in the tabernacle. Uh, There, the people could draw near to Him in worship and prayer. But now, the tabernacle project is on the verge of being axed. The people's sin jeopardizes God's presence with them. Chapter 33, verse 3. God says to Moses, Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. Yet again, Moses intercedes and this time with more success. Uh, Chapter 33, verse 16. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. So now the Mosaic Covenant is put back on the table. And what follows is a covenant renewal ceremony. Exodus 34, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stones, tablets, like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. You see, God's plan as encapsulated in the Mosaic Covenant, is now back on track. However, what is now plain is that failure to observe its terms is very serious. Breach of the covenant leads to punishment and threatens the loss of all the blessings God's promises in the covenant. It's interesting to note that whilst Israel's relationship with God falters, that Moses' relationship with God shines. Moses' relationship with God has something of the texture which was lost in the Garden of Eden. Chapter 33, verse 11. Uh, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Uh, To experience God in this way clearly had Moses hungering for more. Uh, It is evident that he thirsts to go deeper in his relationship with God. Uh, He earnestly desires to know God better. Uh, Chapter 33, verse 13, Moses says, If you are pleased with me, 
Teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. You see, Moses wants a deeper relationship with God. Uh, Moses wants to experience God in all his grandeur. 33 verse 18. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. He wants his soul to revel in the radiant beauty of God. Uh, Moses craves that deep satisfaction of wonder and worship of this God. And God's response is significant. Interestingly, he says he will show Moses his goodness. 33 verse 19. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, that is Yahweh, in your presence. In God's mind, to see all His goodness is to see His glory. To know God as He is, is to comprehend His glory. You see, when God reveals His glory to Moses, He doesn't provide something visual, but verbal. God makes a statement about what He is like. Moses is given a glimpse of God's nature and His character. 34 verse 6. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, that is Yahweh, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished, He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation. God's glory is His goodness, and God's goodness is multifaceted, and you could say to our minds, almost contradictory. You see, God's goodness comprises of Him being both absolutely forgiving and at the, time, at the same time absolutely punishing. Uh, God's heart is full of grace and love. He wants no one to perish, but God's heart also has a passion for justice. He does not leave the guilty unpunished. He is not a judge who winks at the guilty and waves them through. His goodness is expressed in His justice. And we actually see these traits of God's goodness and His character shaping the sequence of events surrounding the instance of the golden calf. God has a passion for His justice. Hence, He cannot simply forgive Israel's sin as Moses requests consequences follow, and punishment is enacted. And yet, God also has a heart bursting with grace, with mercy, and love. And hence, He is not willing to punish Israel as her sins deserve. He doesn't totally destroy them. 
we could say that these twin aspects of God's character create a tension within God. Uh, They put him in a situation, if you like, of stress. And this stress shows how terrible Israel's sin is. Israel causes God an acute problem. How can he fulfill uh, both obligations of his character, his love and his justice, when faced with a sinful people? How can he live amongst a sinful people? So, as we draw the strands together, uh, it is now that we start to see the problem with the Mosaic Covenant. This Mosaic Covenant offers blessings for obedience, but curse for breach. And yet, fallen human nature being what it is, the coin is going to come up curse every time. Uh, No sooner has Israel signed the covenant when she breaks the covenant. The Mosaic Covenant actually forms the backdrop and the context for the remainder of the Old Testament hereafter. And the key question throughout the remainder of the Old Testament is this, how will Israel fare when it comes to the Mosaic Covenant? Uh, Will Israel be faithful or faithless? Will Israel inherit the blessings or the curses of the covenant? And thereafter, throughout the Old Testament history, God sends prophets. And you could say the job of the prophets is this. They are, in effect, covenant mediators. And the message of the prophets all boils down to this. Come back to covenant faithfulness. Repent and return to your God. Human nature seems to make rebellion inevitable. Uh, The New Testament has this bleak assessment of people's ability to keep God's law. Galatians 3 verse 11. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law. You see, the root of the problem is that humanity cannot meet God's standards and God cannot compromise on His standards. God's character is both gracious but also just. And it causes God a huge dilemma. Uh, God cannot simply anesthetize one side of his character to resolve the dilemma. And the question that hangs in the air at this point in this unfolding biblical narrative is this. How can God forgive sin justly in a way that is true to his character? How can God grant His ongoing presence to a willfully sinful people and yet still maintain His integrity? How can God go with His people and yet not destroy them? And next week, therefore, we will start to see the outline of an answer to these questions. Next week, we will look at the sacrificial system as detailed in Leviticus 16. Let us pray.
Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for what this reveals about your character, about your glory, about your goodness. You are a God who is good and faithful to your covenants. You are abound in loving faithfulness and grace. But you are also a God who is just, a God who punishes, a God who is a good judge. Uh, thank you that you do not fudge the moral dilemma that this presents you. Uh, we thank you that as we will see in the unfolding narrative of the Bible, you are true to all aspects of your character. Help us, we pray, to be struck by a deeper sense of wonder as we continue to trace this amazing biblical storyline and see how your plan unfolds and how ultimately you draw us back to yourself whilst maintaining your integrity. Amen.